want you to tell me what happened December 7, 1941. Tell me loud. Talking here to an American audience, you say Pearl Harbor. Nobody knew it was coming, did they? No, all taken by surprise. Did you know there was a young American, he wasn't an officer, he was out watching the, the radar and he saw this great mass of planes coming in. And so he called up his commanding officer. He said, sir, there's a great mass of planes coming in, coming towards Pearl Harbor. Officer said, don't worry about it. <laughs> he said, it's nothing to worry about. He said, I guess it's just something else and it doesn't really matter. December 7, 1941, where America almost lost the entire Pacific fleet. Today's topic is warnings unrecognized. Today's text is Luke 19:44. Please take your Bible and turn to Luke 19, verse 44. Luke chapter 19 and verse 44. Jesus said, turn everybody here, turn to the text. Today's topic Warnings unrecognized. I want to welcome the viewers in Australia, across this great land of the United States, over there, of course, to Great Britain, and around the world. Luke chapter 19, verse 44. I've got a lot of great things to tell you. Significant things. Jesus said, they will dash you to the ground. You and the children within your walls... They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize, you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Get those words? Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. What is Jesus talking about here, I wonder? He's talking about the overthrow of Jerusalem, which was a type of the end of the world. So would you come over here, please, now? Stay there in this chapter. Luke 19, verse 41 and onwards. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. You had your opportunity, now it's past. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Say it with me. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. We say today what terrible blindness what insanity. How could this have happened? How could they have been so foolish, so close-minded, so obstinate, so out of touch with reality? Hey, what about the economic meltdown? A lot of people saw it coming but key people did not recognize. It was so apparent that I uh, preached a sermon back in the early 1990s, I think 93, entitled The Coming Economic Earthquake. Because I was a prophet, smarter than you? No, I read a book. <laughs> And the book said, because of the tremendous piling up deficit, it can't go on. 
There's going to come a meltdown and it's going to shake the whole world. And yet, what happened here in the United States, it was unrecognized. I was watching PBS just the other night and watching a documentary on Galveston in Texas. It talked about, it showed pictures of the great storm of 1900. The whole city, my friend, the whole city was destroyed. About 10,000 people were drowned. Our dear friends, the Roman Catholics had an orphanage. Adam was sitting right out there on the bay and the storm was coming and the sisters got the children and the sisters tied the children to themselves. A day or two later, they found a little hand sticking out of the sand. They dug down, there was a body and on the body there was a rope and it went to another body, to another body, to another body and finally to a nun. They're all killed. But of course, it caught America by surprise. Yeah, it did. Didn't need to. Because the Cubans said, there's a tremendous storm coming and it's going to wipe you out. And they said, who do they think they are? We know better. <laughs> you can see it in the documentary. You can read the history a warning unrecognized. Then, my friend, you've all heard about the Nazi onslaught. You all know about this. The duel between these two great figures. The British people said it's never going to happen. There was one voice alone in Great Britain. You know what his name was? He was the British Bulldog. Winston Churchill, he said, the Nazis are building their armies. They're building their planes. They're building their fleet. And a tremendous storm is coming. You know what they tried to do to Churchill? They tried to get him kicked out of Parliament. They said he's just a doddering old fool. He was the only voice of certainty. And the British Prime Minister went over and met the Fuhrer and shook his hand. <laughs> and came back and as he got off the plane everybody was waiting there he said there'll be peace in our time peace in our time soon England was reeling under the bombs of the Nazis because they were not ready they were not ready it was a warning unrecognized and then, of course, you go to sacred history and you read the prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. Come with me to Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. Don't laugh about these people because, my friend, uh, we do the same things. Matthew 16, verses 1 to 3. Please notice it in your Bible. Don't just look at me. Read it in the Bible. Matthew 16, verses 1 down to 3. This is a Bible reading church. I would not have confidence in a pastor unless he preached every Sabbath from the Bible and got the congregation to turn up the texts. Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 down to 3. The Pharisees and Sadducees. You know why they call them Sadducees? Because the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. That's why they're Sadducee. And so, these folks come along to see Jesus. They are sects 
in Judaism. They came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it'll be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret. Finish it. The signs of the times. You tell me. How could they have been so blind? The Jewish people had the prophecies. Don't be hard on the Jewish people. Because if we'd been living back there, the odds are we would have done the same. They had the prophecies, scores of them. They had the place of his birth, Bethlehem. The hour of his arrival, Daniel 9. But all the signs were unrecognized by the Jewish religious leaders. Did you know this? That in history, religious leaders have seldom been on the side of the truth of God. And back here, the Jewish religious leaders were blind, pride, arrogance, and love of power make us blind. Would you come here to Matthew 13, verse 14 and 15? Matthew chapter 13, are you glad you're in church? Matthew chapter 13, I need to have more holidays. I mean, I need to have more birthdays because it gives me more power. Matthew chapter 13, 14 and 15. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding, like most people who go to church. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. I say it again, my friend. It is pride, arrogance and the love of power that makes us blind and who is not guilty of these sins. Therefore, I would like you today to notice warnings to the Jewish nation and uh, the disciples and uh, to us. And I would have you turn again to our theme text, Luke chapter 19. Come over here, get it into your head today. Luke chapter 19, and we'll start at verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another, here it is, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. 
while ago they put out a movie called The Temple of Doom, which of course was like most stuff out of Hollywood fictitious. Today we're going to talk about the Temple of Doom and it's as real as the seat you're sitting on. Come to Matthew 23 and verse 33 and onwards in the Holy Scriptures. This book is not an ordinary book. When I went to Avondale College as a boy, I was taught never put another book on top of your Bible. You've got there a holy book. We should take this book reverently in our hands. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 33 and onwards and listen to Jesus as he preaches to the Jewish leaders. 23, you snakes, you brood of vipers. What would we do with preachers like that today? How will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. So upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. I tell you the truth. All this will come upon this generation. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So that is the context. Jesus here is talking about the temple of doom. I want you to know one thing. A church is only holy when the Holy Ghost is there. A church is only holy when a holy God is there. But when the holy God leaves the church, the church is left desolate. And because these people had sinned away their day of grace, the Spirit of God left the Jewish temple and it became the temple of doom. I want you to notice something now because it's of great importance. I want you to notice the signs and the warnings so that we will recognize them. Please notice Matthew 24, down one to three. Jesus left the temple. Oh, my friend. God forbid it should ever be written of this church. Jesus left the community Adventist Fellowship Church. Jesus left the temple. The poet said, there's a line that is crossed by rejecting the Lord where the call of his spirit is lost. As you travel along with the pleasure mad throng, have you counted, have you counted the cost? You can go too far. You can step over a line and you can go too far. And the Jewish religious leaders had gone too far. 
Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked, I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming? and of the end of the age. Look at me. I want to share something with you that is important. The greatest crisis in modern Christendom today is biblical illiteracy. Illiteracy, where people do not read their Bibles and as far as Scripture is concerned, they're ignorant. In the Dark Ages, the great church, the great apostate church, burned the Bible so people could not read their Bibles. We don't need to have our Bibles burned today. It is our indifference that takes us from the Word of God. And you can go to some churches and uh, you'll be entertained, uh, but there is no straightforward preaching from the Bible. The greatest need in the church is a return to the preaching and obedience to the Word of God, Holy Scripture, Sola Scriptura. This is our authority in the church, Sola Scriptura, the holy oracles of God, not the teachings of men, not the teachings of the church, Sola Scriptura. Amen. And so Jesus left the temple in Matthew 24, that is called by many theologians, the little apocalypse. Jesus gives signs concerning the overthrow of the Jewish temple, my friend, which was a type of the end of the world or the second coming. And so these great prophecies in Matthew 24 are a dual prophecy, a double prophecy. Because what happened to the temple of doom, it is what is going to happen to America and Australia and Europe and the whole wide world without any exceptions. I want you to notice some of the great signs so that you and I can recognize them and be saved. Matthew 24 and verse 4. Look at me, let me tell you something. I want to share with you a conviction. I never prepare a sermon to please a congregation. I prepare a sermon to please God so that the congregation will be saved. I've met church members who say, I do not like what you say. It matters little to me whether you like it or not because it is the Word of God that will judge you in the last day. Amen. And we are not here today to play church. We are here to be saved. 
That's why we televise these programs so that people will be saved. Now notice the great signs of the overthrow of Jerusalem and the end of the world. Verse 4, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. Number one, here is the first sign, and uh, we got so much that we've got to get through here today. The first sign is deception, and it's talking here about religious deception, and the reason the vast number of people in the world are going to be deceived is because they are biblically illiterate. In other words, they're ignorant. The first great sign is deception. The second sign, Matthew 24, verse 5. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. Verse 24. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect. The Bible talks about false, false Christs. And they're going to do tremendous signs and wonders. People say to me, healing the sick is the greatest sign of the presence of God. That is a deception. Because Satan deceives people. And so, sign number two, false Christs who can heal the people and mesmerize the ignorant multitudes who know nothing of the texts of the Bible because of their spiritual indolence. Laziness. Verse seven, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. The Bible talks about worldwide wars, not some little skirmishes, but great wars. Before the end of this age, the world is going to be convulsed in great wars. Jesus said it. And these things happened uh, before the overthrow of Jerusalem throughout the Roman Empire. Read Josephus. Verse 7. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of the birth pains. Now, the Bible tells me here that you are going to have natural disasters. There are going to be famines and earthquakes. Millions of people are going to starve to death. Maybe there will come such an economic meltdown that money will be worth nothing and famine will haunt the land. Famines and pestilences, diseases that the doctors will not be able to cure. Verse 9. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death 
and you'll be hated by all the nations because of me. The Bible talks, now look at this, because your soul may be in the balance today. The Bible says there is going to be worldwide persecution before the overthrow of Jerusalem in 70 AD, there was persecution. And before Jesus comes the second time, there is going to be worldwide persecution. And the Bible says people are going to be put to death. Verse 12. Verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Here is the next sign, and we're just touching on these today. The Bible says there is going to come increasing, increasing, increasing wickedness. Increasing wickedness. I say to you, my friend, need I give a commentary on that? Look at your television. Look where criminals are glorified and every perversion uh, is held up as acceptable behavior, often by the media. Increasing wickedness. Why has this happened? Why is the world going into increasing wickedness? I will tell you why. It is because people have turned away from the Ten Commandments and the teachings of the Bible. Notice verse 14. And uh, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and uh, then the end will come. Oh, this is the good news because in this church we've had just a little part in that. We've seen tens of thousands of atheists and communists come to Christ. Do you want to know why I support 3ABN? Because I do. Because 3ABN is a movement of lay people who are dedicated to preach the whole truth of the Bible. And the Bible says the gospel will be preached in the whole world as a testimony and then the end will come. And verse 15, look at that please. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. I wonder, what is this talking about? The Bible talks about the abomination. The abomination. The abomination of desolation. Just leaving out a little bit of stuff here. The abomination. Did you get it? The abomination, what does it refer to? Has double application. Firstly, it refers to the hordes of the Romans. 
with their pagan flags and statues standing in the holy place. The abomination of desolation is a term that is used by Daniel to refer to the Antichrist. And it has another application, my friends. It refers to the great Antichrist that will come against the people of God in the last days. Now, the Jewish people back there before 70 AD saw all of those signs. And the people of God living in the last generation are going to see all those signs. And then Jesus will come. But the vast multitudes will not recognize them. Now, listen, because I'm getting on to something very important. Matthew 24, verse 19 and onwards. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. I want to say to my friends to say the Sabbath is abolished. What are you going to do with this text? This is a text that talks about the overthrow of Jerusalem after the cross. And it refers to the last days. Jesus said, keep the Sabbath. That's what Jesus said. He's talking about the times of the apocalypse. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter because of the cold or on the Sabbath because it's a holy day. For then there'll be great distress unequal from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. The Bible says, Jesus said, before the overthrow of the Jewish temple, there would come a time of trouble. Jesus said, it would be a fearful time of trouble. And in exactly the same way, before Jesus comes the second time, you're going to have the great tribulation. That's what Jesus said. The Bible is plain. The Bible is clear. People say, but you know, I've been told, and really good people believe this. Some saints believe this. They say, I've been told that the great tribulation is going to come after the second coming. Well, that's just a great idea. And I respect the people who believe it. It's a great idea, but it has one problem. It's not taught in the Bible. The great tribulation came before the overthrow of Jerusalem. And the great tribulation is going to come before the return of Christ. I want to tell you some things. There was the Roman general Vespasian. Vespasian became the emperor of Rome. He passed over the siege of Jerusalem to Titus. And he later also became Caesar. Inside Jerusalem, Josephus says there were about a million plus Jews. It's hard to believe. So many people. They went there. About, you think, more than a million Jewish people. 
And there were three factions, three groups, under Eliezer, John of Giscala, and Simon Bargiora. These three men were terrorists. And they terrorized the Jewish people. And they said, nothing can happen to Jerusalem. You know why, they said? We're God's holy people. We're the church. This is the holy city. And they were taught, God will come and save us. They burned each other's wheat. They plundered. They murdered. So many people died of starvation and hunger in these wars inside Jerusalem. Josephus says they threw out over the walls of Jerusalem 600,000 bodies. That's hard to believe. Maybe Josephus is exaggerating. I don't know. But the valley between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives was full of hundreds of thousands of bodies. Inside the city, the, the starvation was so terrible that there was cannibalism and fighting and murders. It was dreadful. And then people started after a while, you see, Titus went there and he said, I won't hurt Jerusalem. I don't want to destroy this city. It is the city of God, Titus said. Titus said, I don't want to touch Jerusalem. It is this mighty place that belongs to the one God. I don't want to touch the great Jewish temple. And he pled with the people, surrender. I'll let you out free. But they cursed him. They threw darts at him. And got him very mad. And so he built a wall right around the city. And he couldn't get away. And in the place, Josephus says, where Jesus was crucified, the crosses were so thick you could hardly walk between them. The Romans crucified 500 plus Jews a day. His blood be on us and on our children. It was up to that time, a time of trouble such as the world had never seen. Um, some people inside the city trying to get out of the city so what are we going to do for money? So they got their gold and they swallowed it. That worked okay until one was seen passing it. In one day, the Arabian soldiers employed by the Romans slit the bellies of 2,000 people for the gold. Time of trouble. And that time of trouble, I want you to know. That time of trouble, that great time of trouble, my friend, is a type of the time of trouble that is going to come upon the world. I want you to know this. I'm not here to entertain you today. I'm here today by the grace of God to shake us up. 
This great time of trouble here is a type of a greater time of trouble before Jesus comes. Maybe we're starting to go into that time of trouble. If you are not a Christian today, it's time for us to seek the Lord. And then at the end of 70 AD, the Romans stormed the city. Heap of Jews, thousands of them fled inside the temple. They were told, come on out. They wouldn't come. Caesar said, do not touch the temple. Destroy the people. Destroy the city, but do not touch the temple. But one greater than Caesar, 500 years before in the book of Daniel had written, the people of the prince who shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Titus held up his sword. He held up the sign of Caesar. He said, in the name of Caesar, I command you, stop. It is the temple of God. But the Roman soldiers saw the gold and they were so mad, so angry that one Roman soldier ran to the temple and threw into the holy place a burning torch and soon the temple was on fire and the people of God cried out, Ichabod, 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 the glory is departed. Every word of the prophecy came to pass just as every word of the prophecies concerning us are coming to pass today. Why did all this come upon God's people? In the name of God, I ask you, because they failed to recognize the warnings. Look at Luke 19.44. May this text get down into your mind today. May you never get it out of your mind. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you because they were blind. They closed their ears and their eyes to the truth. Come here to Matthew chapter 13. I find it hard to understand how people are not reading their Bibles today, those who profess to be a part of the church. Matthew 13, 14 and 15. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. They close their ears and their eyes. I ask, what about us? I ask you watching the television program today, as you sit there in the comfort of your home in Australia or in America, are you taking this as a joke and are you closing your eyes and your ears? All this came upon them because they loved power and influence. I say, what about us? Matthew 23, verses 1 to 7. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. 
You must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, and they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the places of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and to have men call them rabbi. They loved power and influence. And they loved money. Matthew 23, 16 and 17. Woe to you blind guides, you say, if anyone swears, swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. Can I tell you folks something? The love of money is the sin of America. It is the sin of Australia. Many have the philosophy, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid. Do you know why this disaster has come upon America? Because of our love of money. And the Jewish people could not understand the signs of the times, because even in church, they were thinking about doing another deal. You know, we've even had people come into this church to work the congregation to get money, to sell them something. God have mercy on their souls. They loved man-made rules and forgot grace. Look at Matthew 23, 23 and 24. What do you teachers of the law and Pharisees you hypocrites, you give a tenth of all your spice, mill, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former, you blind guides. You strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. They were great with man-made rules. Do, do, do. Man-made rules, but they forgot about grace. And they rejected Jesus, the predicted Messiah, and his gospel. I ask you, what about you? What about me? Josephus says that in this great tribulation, AD 70, a million Jewish people died and the rest were sent to the circus and the galleys. There were survivors. Look at Luke 21, 5 and 6. Luke 21, 5 and 6. Some of the disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones. And then you come down to verse 20 and onwards. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out. Let those in the country not enter the city. Did you get that? Did you get it? Jesus said, did you get it? When you see Jerusalem surrounded by the armies, get out. 
but how can you get out? There's Jerusalem surrounded by the armies. Then he says, get out. 66 AD, Cestius, a Roman general, surrounded the city of Jerusalem. The city was his for the taking. And then Josephus says, for an inexplicable reason, he withdrew and went down the Beth Horon roads to the coast. The Jews, mighty fighters, came out and attacked the armies of the Romans. They killed in one day 6,000 Roman soldiers. They struck a coin on which they wrote the words, in our first year of liberty. Do you know what the Christians did? They got out of the city. They left. They went to a little town by the name of Pella. And when Titus came back and surrounded the city, you know how many followers of Jesus were in the city? None. Why? Because they were the survivors who followed the words of Jesus. In the last days, glory be to God, there are going to be survivors. Look at Matthew 24. Verse 29 and onwards. Matthew 24, verse 29 and onwards. We have hope. Verse 29 and onwards. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give us light, the stars will fall from the sky, the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Who are the elect? Would you like to be numbered among the elect? Who are the elect? Listen to it. They have their eyes and their ears open. They recognize the warnings. They're not TV addicts, cell phone addicts, computer addicts. They recognize the warnings. They do not love power and influence. Wow. They do not love money. You say, Pastor Carter, well, no one's going to be saved. No. God will have his people. They do not love money. They love and they live grace. They trust in Jesus and they believe his holy, true gospel. These are the people who survive the great tribulation and who go home to glory. Many years ago, in the beautiful city of Washington, you would see an unusual sight. An ugly old man and a beautiful woman 
His face was terribly scarred and he walked with a cane because he was blind. And there was a young woman who held his arm and looked lovingly at him. Was she ashamed of him and his scars? No. Why? T'was her brother. When she was a tiny baby, a fire broke out. Everybody was out but the brother. He made his way into the nursery and caught on fire, but not before he took up and covered with blankets a little baby girl and ran out with her. He never saw her again. Is she ashamed of him? There's a man who went to the cross and today he is scarred. And he was scarred that you and I might see and be saved. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Let us kneel. Everybody kneel. We all bow our heads, close our eyes as we come as penitents to the throne of God's grace. Our Father, we thank you for the words of our Christ. What power they have. We believe, our Father, that we're living at the end of time. God is trying to shake America and the rest of the world and our church because we have been so blind, so deaf. We've been more interested in cars and 55-inch TV screens and maybe bigger ones. More interested in Blu-rays and HDs and all those things than in becoming literate of the word. We don't know what more you've got to do to bring us to our knees. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know, Lord, that this could be the start of the time of trouble that leads into the great tribulation. That is something we don't know, but we know it could be so. We can see today how the people of God who professed to be the light of the world suffered a tremendous disaster. Their city was destroyed. They died by the millions. Our Father, many of us pretty much pride ourselves on being your special people. Open our eyes today. Open our ears. 
Help us, dear Father, today to recognize the signs. May we not be a people who follow man-made rules and act without God's grace towards others. Forgive us, Lord, for our love of material things. This terrible curse of the love of money. We know money is good in itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil and help to destroy Jerusalem. We thank you today that there is a man who is scarred, even the man who is at the right hand of God the Father Almighty is scarred on the forehead, scarred in the hands, scarred in the feet, and scarred on his side. We want you to know today we're not ashamed of our scarred Christ. And we want one day to walk with him arm in arm down the streets of the new Jerusalem. Oh God, when the congregation leaves today, work a miracle. Work it now. As we're praying here in church, in the quietness of this moment, when the Spirit of God is evidently present, how many will raise a hand and say, God, turn me round? Would you raise your hand if that's your prayer today? Lift it up high. God, turn me round and help me to face Jesus and be covered by his blood. Spend a lot less time watching the one-eyed monster in our living rooms and a lot more time watching Jesus. Please lower your hands. How many here today sense their need of you? How many today sense their need of Christ? Their need of reading their Bibles more? Their need of the covering of the blood of Jesus because we are a sinful people. Would you raise your hand if that's your prayer today? This is a prayer of contrition. Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep your law. We worship you today. We bless you. We pray that you'll bless the television audience. God bless the United States of America at this time of crisis and the other countries around the world. Bless the president of this conference, of this great nation. Help him, give him wisdom that he doesn't have in himself. Bless President Obama. Bless the American people, the Australian people. Bless us all that we will be turned around and turned towards the new Jerusalem. We bless you, we praise you, we worship you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen and amen.
at your feet, O oh Lord, is the most high place. In your presence, O oh Lord, I seek your face. I seek your face Down at your feet, O oh Lord, is the most high place In your presence, O oh Lord, I seek your face, I seek your face. There is no higher calling, no greater honor than to bow and kneel before your throne. I'm amazed. At your glory embraced by your mercy, oh, I live to worship you. Down at your feet, oh Lord, is the most high place in your presence Lord we seek your faith